Welcome to the Yoga Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Saraswati Clare, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and owner of Yoga Kula from the San Francisco Bay Area. Join us to hear from the world's leading experts on yoga, teachers, doctors, scientists, and scholars. To study more deeply with these inspiring teachers, check out the courses on our website, In this new era, where we have the opportunity to envision and create a new world, the practices of yoga help us to live more consciously so that we can create a better inner and outer world. To help others find us, please leave your comments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Today I'm talking with Judith Blackstone. Judith is the creator of the Realization Process, which is an integrated approach to embodiment, psychological and physical healing, and spiritual awakening. In today's conversation, we talked about how emotional pain gets bound in the body and how it's released, and how to attune to our authentic, intrinsic nature. Hi, Judith. It's Saraswati. Hi. It's lovely to talk with you today. Thank you. Um, I would love to um, talk to you. I've just been reading your book. I love it. The Enlightenment Process, A Guide to Embodied Spiritual Awakening. Such a beautiful book. Um, And I would love to talk to you a little bit about... um, you know, I'm talking, talking a lot to my yoga students about stress these days and this sort of epidemic that we're in right now and how the, we get to store these emotions and tensions and uh, patterns inside. I wonder if you could talk to us about that and, uh, you know, how it relates to the work that you do. Yes, sure, Saraswati. Uh, let me start by talking a little bit about um, about my work. It's called the Realization Process, and it's a series of meditative practices, and they're all really, in the simplest level, about being more in touch with yourself. And this is like literally uh, in touch with oneself. That means contact with oneself everywhere within the internal space of one's body. It's an interesting thing that we think, well, if we're not living in our body, where where are we living? Well, most of us are living in front of ourselves, maybe to, you know, to think we're going to communicate better that way, or we're living above ourselves, maybe to rise above things, or we're not actually, in fact, it's quite rare, and it's has been in the past considered rather advanced a level of achievement to be actually in one's body so that we feel conscious everywhere in our body at once. So the realization process starts there. And it really is just about living inside our feet, you know, like coming down there, feeling that you're inside your feet, feeling what that feels like to actually be in the feet, let them soften, right? So we're making a shift from the exterior of the body to the to life within it, to our own life, you know, inside our legs, inside our whole torso and our legs, arms, hands, inside our neck, inside our whole head, our whole face, and then inside our whole body at once. 
and I'm going to get I'm going to get to your your question about stress mm-hmm. in this way. But as we live within the internal space of the body, we really begin to make contact there. Very interesting thing happens. We begin to feel whole within, and that means that we can think and feel, sense and perceive all at the same time. We're we're functioning, we're receiving life and expressing ourselves as a whole, whole being. Another interesting thing happens, the constructive and protective barrier, I'll talk more about these protections in a moment, but the protective barrier that we've constructed since very early in our lives between our internal experience, who we experience ourselves as being, and that world out there, that dissolves. We begin to uncover a very, very fine level of consciousness, actually consciousness, that does pervade, we can experience it inside our whole body at once, and at the same time, we experience it pervading everything around us. Mm, yeah, mm. see, take just a moment to mm. <laughs> imagine that. It's a wonderful experience because it's both intact within ourselves, in touch deeply within ourselves, and at the same time, really open to the world around us, but without the fear that we sometimes feel when we go out and meet the world that those other human beings, uh, all the abrasive sounds and sights might in some way uh, eradicate our sense of self. No, we can be totally in touch with the internal space of our own being, our heart, our mind, our senses, and at the same time, our deepest contact with other people in the world around us. So I call this level of consciousness fundamental consciousness. I'm I'm not making it up. (laughs) It's been mentioned in the Hindu literature. It's been mentioned in the Buddhist literature um, for, you know, for thousands of years. Um, It has been considered an advanced achievement to experience it. But I think these days, because of so many uh, advances in... um, just in the growing more sensitive, I think, as a as a as a people, you know, uh, and all the advances that we have uh, in psychotherapy and body techniques and so forth, so many people, everyone that I've taught, in fact, are able to attune to this very very fine level of consciousness. It feels like who we really are. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to your question about stress, when we experience stress, we tighten. Right? We tighten up, and we and very often we lift up, right? So we become ungrounded and and contracted. Mm. The inhabiting of the body helps us let go of that, but even even better, it helps us experience the all of the distressing things in our environment without shattering fundamental consciousness, right? This this level of ourselves. Uh, it's unbreakable. It's just consciousness. It's unbreakable. Uh, oh, Zen Buddhism, they have a wonderful way of putting it. They say, I have never moved from the beginning. Right? This, this basic primary aspect of ourselves that we can uncover, uh, it's always been there, can't be broken no matter how much trauma we've experienced, no matter how distressed we feel when we, when we open our computer and look at the news uh, in the morning, which I do every morning, um, 
no matter what is going on around us, we can still feel. It doesn't stop our feelings. This is not detachment. It's disentanglement. All of that, all of that stimulation moves through us, through that fundamental consciousness, without shattering our basic sense of, of being. Mm. Mm, beautiful. I, I just had a picture when you were talking about of how if I go to the beach... Um, there is that some shift that I can definitely feel that is a very easy place for me to step out of the mind and be more aware, especially if I have my feet in the water and um, just like I come home into my body more easily. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Nature is a a great way to get there. Yeah. So much easier for many of us, many of us, particularly um, on the sort of sensitive side of the spectrum, to relate to a tree, right? <laughs> right? To feel that yeah. oneness, that openness, that contact with ourselves, but openness to a tree, you know, yes. which doesn't look back at us. Yes. Uh, is, you know, not judging us in, in any way. Uh, but as we get more secure, settling mm-hmm. in ourselves, uh, and and there is a kind of settling also that happens called a grounding. Uh, we can actually be that way even in a, a city street with other people. Yeah, that sense of safety within ourselves. Even in a subway car in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I have I have moved away from New York City. <laughs> I do go there now just to appreciate it. Yeah. 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 But I, uh, the subway, yes, that, that's the most challenging. But yes, yes, you can. You can still, you know, we have, this, uh, we have this subtle nervous system, our heart chakra, you know, the center of our head. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of our, of our talk today. Mm. Um, but that's always available to us. We can always make that deep contact with ourselves, even on the subway. Mm. I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit more, too, about, you know, this more about subtle body and in my yoga trainings we learn a lot about the you know the bones and the outer structure of the body and it's always really interesting to see how few uh, of us yogis really know too much about the you know energy within the body the subtle body anatomy um, in maybe talking about the layers within the body the different layers physical emotional layers Um, are you able to talk to us a little bit about that well, you know, I can. Of course, I have studied the, the sheaths, the mm-hmm. you know, wonderful uh, scheme uh, in, uh, you know, presented in, uh, in Hindu yoga, the sheaths of the body, uh, which are all those layers, the vitality layer, the, you know, the layer of the emotional layer, the mental layer, the causal layer, very interesting, um, called buddhi. Uh, which uh, which I have sometimes read is that which can recognize and become Buddha, right? Which mm. you know, which can which can let go of the holding patterns of all the tensions from. And of course, in Hinduism, they believe in life after life, so lifetimes of holding patterns, but certainly holding patterns that we created in reaction to our present childhood. Um, so the According to Hinduism, the causal level of the body, of the mind, 
you know, the, there's no distinction on that level. It's, yeah. it's the mind, the body, mind, the mind, body, uh, because that causal level is conceived of as everywhere in the body. Um, so the body, mind holds those patterns, and then as we let go of them, we settle more and more into this what I'm calling fundamental consciousness, which feels like who we who we really are. Yeah. Beautiful. Now, when we know ourselves, so here's another here's another interesting thing. Fundamental consciousness is experienced as stillness. You know, again, that Zen saying, I have never moved from the beginning. Uh, not moving. Energy moves, right? In fact, in fact, we can call energy pretty much anything that moves. Uh, the, you know, it's been called streaming. It's been called pulsing, vibrating. Um, so... Uh, Many people grow up living, not, not even knowing themselves particularly as a physical entity, but as an energetic entity. Yeah. And as that energy body, we merge with everything around us. Well, this is my, you know, my personal story, but I've also heard this reported from many, many of the people I work with. Uh, when I was a teenager, a young woman, I, whatever I looked at, I became. You know, I, if I was at the ocean, then I became the ocean. If I was at, with another person, I became another person. Well, sounds good, you know, <laughs> better than feeling completely cut off, definitely. But it was... Um, it was disturbing in a lot of ways to to lose my own inner contact with myself uh, whenever I left, you know, the, my own room. So, um, so after a while, it became not so good. Mm. And then to go one step more subtle and know myself as this stillness of fundamental consciousness, which does pervade one's own whole inner being at the same time as pervading the surroundings. That became very, very important. Doesn't merge, right? Now, when we know ourselves as this stillness, we don't, of course, lose the energy level. Far from it. The energy level can move more fluidly. And we get to the most subtle level of our energy system. The energy system of our body is designed on a spectrum from dense to subtle. There's all different kinds of energies in the body. So the most subtle level of energy is sometimes talked about in uh, Kashmir Shaivism. Some of you may have studied a wonderful, wonderful tradition. Um, and they talk about very, 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 very subtle vibration as being the primary level of reality. Well, it arises along with this fundamental consciousness, that very, very subtle vibration is everywhere along with the stillness. Mm. Wonderful. Um, and I wanted to bring up the word samskaras, if you could talk to us about that. Yes. So samskaras, again, come you know from the Hindu system, um, and they believe that the, the, most, um, uh, the most vivid imprints of each life get carried from lifetime to lifetime so that we get a chance to heal the wounds of previous lives. It's a wonderful philosophy. I, have, of course, personally don't know if it's the case, but uh, certainly people have felt that they have come in touch with holding patterns, with, um, uh, with patterns of behavior, with patterns of belief that don't seem to relate at all to their present life. So there's, a, there's an argument for that being actually the case. 
Now, I work, I'll, I'll work, of course, with anything anybody brings me, but I work mostly with uh, what I call uh, constrictions or holding patterns from our present childhood. Now, I think that, uh, I mean, this is how I hold this conceptually. I think that if we do have some scars from past lives, they will show up again in our present child in our present life so and so it's sometimes sufficient i think to focus on the circumstances of our present life anyway we constrict ourselves mostly as children and teenagers when we're so malleable so sensitive uh, we constrict ourselves in reaction to our environment mainly to those uh, two most important people, if we had two, uh, who, uh, who we first encountered when we first came into the world, our parents uh, or whoever is, um, whoever is taking care of us uh, when, we're, when we're very, very, very young. And some people think even in the womb we can make these constrictions, these protective holding patterns. So we, we dampen the impact of experience, anything that's going to be too overwhelming too abrasive, too confusing, too painful, and, th- and and so you can see this is a this is a protective mechanism. It's a it's a good thing in nature that we constrict ourselves in reaction to dampen the impact of those experiences that might otherwise overwhelm us and shatter us as children. Holding patterns or constrictions, I call those, right? Mm-hmm. And we also constrict ourselves to hold in any. Uh, any response of, that we might make, such as anger or tears, if we feel that that behavior of ours is not going to be met with approval, nurture, might even be dangerous, right? So, for example, we express anger, well, our parent might get angrier at, at us for expressing anger. Of course, their anger is a lot more powerful than ours if we're a young child. So, uh, so we'll hold back that anger. This I still find so fascinating that we cannot control any aspect of our behavior without tightening the instrument of our experience, which is our body, right? So if you go, you know, like listening now, if you go to let yourself feel, oh, maybe a little bit of sadness, conjure it, and I think we all can do that, Mm -hmm. and then try to stop it, the only way you're going to be able to stop it is by tightening the all of the anatomy that's um, that's engaged in that sadness, the chest, right? Maybe this, the beginning of tears, the eyes. The, the many people hold sadness in their cheeks, right, or in their throat, right? Okay, so holding life out, holding life in. We also mirror spontaneously our parents' pattern of openness and defense. It's mysterious why we choose one parent, not the other, sometimes for a particular holding pattern, but we do. Um, so, uh, because we want to be in contact with those people, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody in our family lives way up in their mental life, but not much emotionally. Then we'll go up there and meet them in that, you know, there we'll close down our, our emotional life a little bit, which we can only do by closing down the, the, the fascia, the anatomy within our chest and, and our gut. And we'll, We'll live up and up in the top of ourselves, and and so that we can feel in contact, we can feel like part of the family. The only last one I'll mention is we constrict ourselves also in response and reaction to um, to commands, whether they're spoken or unspoken. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't be so smart. I'll bet some people in 
who are listening to me now have heard that one, you know, either spoken, you know, it might be, might even be done jokingly, but it has a little bit of bite anyway, or, or non-verbally by a parent looking insecure when you're so smart, right? So how can we not be so smart? Well, we really can be a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit less smart <laughs> by close, shutting down in, uh, in the anatomy of our thinking. Well, for most of us, these constrictions, all right, we can call them some scars, they, um, they don't limit us from living a normal life, because this is the normal human condition. It's not pathology. It's a normal human condition. Of course, if there's severe trauma, the holding parents may be much more severe, much more fragmenting, and, and really may stop us from living a happy life. But the good news is that even if it's only limiting us a little bit, when we let go of that, oh, if we had no idea that we could think so fluidly, that we, could, that we had such access to our creativity, that we could love so deeply, right, so that the world so vivid, because we also constrict the, our senses of perception, you know, our eyes and our ears. So suddenly, the, you know, as we let go of these holding patterns, the world is so beautiful. Um, so, so we can call that, it's a kind of freedom. We can call that freedom, Right, the freedom from the samskaras, mm. and um, you know, with within again the training that um, that I work with, we we're often we're teaching people, you know, learning different aspects of breath work and um, particular poses, and people in the trainings they start to um, feel the different effects of pranayama and you know, the different and practices. And it is amazing for um, some some people, if just this is the first time they've actually really tuned in and inquired, you know, within the body and take time to witness. It is interesting sort of in this fast-paced, busy world, we're so distracted on the outside that it's actually quite hard for people to stay focused and to actually take the time and feel the effects of the breath work and I just wonder if you could speak to um you know the the how breath work or even yoga practices how that can help kind of attune us to what you're talking about well they help tremendously of course yoga uh, asanas uh, they can be done in a number of different ways they can be done just physically uh, as a kind of uh, uh, athleticism right yeah um, especially for very young and agile and to be strong i mean i began as a dancer and i i know very much the the joy of being getting stronger and stronger and and uh, being able to do all kinds of interesting things with my body uh so so asanas can certainly be done in that way they can also be done as a way of contacting this internal wholeness and that's quite a different way of doing them and it does involve the breath Right? Because when we live in the musculature of ourselves, uh, our breath becomes more shallow. We, in fact, the breath will just be, you know, just come maybe at the top of our lungs or maybe even the bottom, but, but it won't go everywhere in the body. When we live within our body, and again, when we unfold, when we uncover this ground level of ourselves, this subtle consciousness everywhere in the body, then the breath goes everywhere in the body. Right, and that can uh, it, you know it works both ways, right? So the 
the more you inhabit the body, uh, the more uh, profound the, the yoga practices are. Uh, and, um, and the more profound the yoga practices are, the, the more they'll help you inhabit the body uh, and, and get in touch with this very subtle breath. The breath and the energy system become integrated. They become one when we get to this more subtle experience of ourselves. You know, the word subtle, it can sound abstract. It's just contact with ourselves. It's just like, feels like who we really are. And, you know, the more the more we sit in, into stillness and take the time and begin to experience inwardly, the more we begin to feel like, oh, maybe we're not quite who we are. It's a strange, strange experience because if we're not who we are, then who are we? But, but yes, it can feel like, well, this is not quite, doesn't feel quite real. And so then we need to go deeper. We need to keep going deeper and softer and, uh, until we actually contact this level ourselves that actually does feel real. And what a wonderful feeling that is. And then the breath and the energy system become unified. And the breath is everywhere in the body at once, along with that very subtle vibration I was talking about with energy. It's a breath energy that's everywhere in the body at once. Hi, I often wonder, um, you know, we hear sometimes about more indigenous tribes of people who haven't really had a lot of um, Western contact, perhaps, um, and not the sort of media over over you know overload and things like that of that naturally and children I suppose who haven't had too much load um, are there's a sense of uh, freedom because they do feel more part of nature and they're not so caught up in um, trying to be something they're not (laughs) you know that they're uh, I think we grow up with um, you know all the celebrity influence here definitely in this country and there's a lot of comparison and um sort of one upmanship of not quite good enough not quite the right shape whereas perhaps you know more of a protected kind of indigenous community um there's much more not sensing to need to compete perhaps and I might be completely romanticizing it to a certain degree, but uh, um, I think there's yeah, there's a lot to learn. I think from you know from people who have more respect with the earth and um, they're more connected in with the different movements of you know the sun and uh, the seasons. And um, it seems like you know we and myself included is that it's all of a sudden we look outside as oh it's dark oh it's light and there's not. Uh, that um, continuous, under, you know, connection to um, ourselves being connected to the planet, to the changes, to the seasons, to in the to be in a rhythm that I would imagine that if we lived a little closer to the to the ground, <laughs> to nature, that we would be more in this natural state. Uh, I think I think you're right. You know, uh, you know, I think we're at a wonderful time uh, in the world's history, though, where we have access to almost all of the world's wisdom now, you know, Um, maybe not all of it. And I myself have never, you know, I mean, a protected indigenous culture is is just that, protected, and and it might be a while before we can learn from them, but, but, 
But to some extent, there are teachers emerging from those cultures that we have access to now. And so that's a, that's a wonderful thing. We do become objectified in, in our culture very early on. Yeah. I don't know if that doesn't happen in other cultures and other cultures don't look at their children and go, what a pretty girl, you know, or, <laughs> you know, you're, you're prettier than your cousin. You know, I don't know that doesn't happen or, you know, have no idea mm-hmm. in other cultures, but it, it sure happens in ours. And, and, um, you know, the objectification, sexual objectification and, and all of this that hopefully doesn't exist in every culture in the world um, begins to objectify us to our, own, to our own senses, to our own sensibility. And so one thing that, that yoga and all these various uh, processes can do as we get more in touch with ourselves, we become the subject of our experience looking out at the world rather than the object of other people's gazes. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, love love the way you said that. Um, and this word um, awakening, or um, you know, we hear enlightenment, we hear self realization um, talked about in, you know, we read about in the you know Asian traditions. Uh, I wonder if you could just explain to the audience, you know, what 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 they're talking about and then how maybe your process too is to help people to move into that um, opening, moving in that direction. Or, yeah, if you could just help us understand, that would be great. You know, the different traditions um, are... view enlightenment slightly differently one from one from the other and and if you if you study them closely you see that they've been you know debating with each other honing their differences over 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 thousands of years as well um but for me uh enlightenment of course that's a that's a lofty term and it's really because this deep contact with ourselves has in the past been been really just the the privilege of people who left the world and went to live in ashrams and monasteries, uh, and so and so it became something separate from uh, from daily life or from access to, to ordinary people to some extent. But now, uh, as we as we do evolve, even though sometimes it doesn't look that way, we are evolving. Um, it's it's become much more commonplace to to bring this into the psychotherapeutic techniques, the bodywork techniques. We we have access to it in a lot of different ways, but still, the word enlightenment it means to me the ability to know ourselves as this primary fundamental dimension of consciousness that makes us seamless, right? Makes us whole within. Un- doesn't make us whole, but uncovers. Our wholeness. That's how it feels. It feels like our wholeness has always been there, and we're just uncovering it. Not something we have to create. And um, and at the same time, our oneness with with everything around us. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. And um, I wonder if you could uh, if you could tell us about. Do you have an example um, where something? you know, come up for you that was kind of dramatic and difficult and challenging and you were able to apply um, within yourself some of your own techniques to help you move through, you know, something that was really emotionally challenging or 
it could be, you know, any, any kind of challenge that came up for you that you dealt with, or it could be just an ongoing, you know, where you, you go, oh, there's that thing again, there's that feeling again. Do mm-hmm. you have something that comes to mind? Well, yeah, dozens of things, really. But I made this work uh, to heal myself of a pretty severe back injury, and I'm still working with that. Uh, Not not just injury, but uh, scoliosis. You know, I mean, I was a professional dancer, uh, but then I had to stop dancing because I became injured. And uh, this was in my 20s, a long time ago. And uh, all of this work has evolved um, in began to evolve in order to heal myself. So it's still a path of my own, of my own healing. Now, if you want to go more recently, um, uh, uh, you know, just, I guess it was about six years ago, my mother died. Um, this is something that people of my generation are, you know, dealing with, I think yeah. quite a lot. Now our parents getting very old and, and passing away. And um, of course, there were things that were not resolved in that relationship, and to to come to terms because finally she became she became so old and fragile that there was no there was no trying to you know <laughs> make things right you know to yeah. explain myself or have her explain herself. She was just too fragile for that. Yeah. Um, uh, I could only I could only tell her, oh yes, everything's wonderful, you know, it's fine. Um, but in my own self. I had to do quite a lot of disentangling uh, from her in order to leave that circumstance the way it, the way it is, not perfect, right? Not perfect. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of my relationships, I like them to be perfect. If you know, I've been married a long time, I'm a wonderful husband. If anything goes even just a little bit off, I want to want to I want to get it right right away. Yeah. <laughs> but with my mother, that just was not possible. I had to leave it go in its imperfect shape. And I did the core breath. I'll do, you know, I'll do a little bit of that at the end of this uh, session today. Um, and that was helpful in disentangling. It's a dis- fundamental consciousness and the sub-core of the body. It's called shushumna in yoga, um, you know, along which the chakras are. That's a disentangled level of ourselves. And if we can really get in touch with it, we can let go of these really more challenging circumstances. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. And um, do you, uh, just on that final question, do you have, um, you know, a regular practice that you like to do? um, If you could describe, you know, something that's helpful for you to do that maybe our audience or listeners could incorporate. Are there things that you recommend um, that have been powerful for you to help you um, in this process? Well, I do a, a breathing uh, every day, which is just a very simple, you know, you know, not not trying to uh, intensify my breath or cultivate my breath, but just an evening, calming breath, nine counts in, nine counts out. Uh, and I do that, you know, just for around 10 minutes. And then I do do those, those core work because I am still letting go of the tensions around my spine, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a life's work, and um, and it does get better, which is uh, which is very satisfying. But it doesn't get all the way better, which keeps me on my <laughs> keeps me on my meditation chair, no longer a cushion, but a meditation chair. And um, and so I still do that core breath every day. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. 
Well, thank you. That's just so wonderful. Um, it, you were speaking of um, a little meditation. I wonder if you could um, lead us into a little meditation now. Yes, I will. I'll do just. I'll do the core breath just in the heart chakra. Um, and so, uh, for those of you listening, come sit up. Right, sit up. Um, you can sit cross-legged if you're comfortable like that, or, or, or if you're in a chair, then let yourself feel your feet on the floor. Take a moment to just focus on your breath, even breath, right? whatever is comfortable. You can count three counts in, three counts out. Take a moment to feel that you're inside your feet, that you're living inside your feet. And make sure you can continue to breathe, staying in your feet, that your inhale doesn't lift you up away from your feet. And now let yourself feel that you're inside your whole body all at once, to the extent that you can be. As much internal contact as you can feel comfortably at the moment, and still breathing. Now find your heart chakra. Many of you will be familiar with this point. It's in the center of your chest, but deep in the core of your body, so inward, right? Focusing inwardly towards your spine in the center of your chest. As deeply as you can be, as deeply as you can focus within your chest without strain. Let yourself feel that just by being in your heart chakra, it enters you into your internal wholeness, right? So without going anywhere, you're just in the heart chakra. Gives you access to your whole internal body at once. And now very gently, initiate the breath within the heart chakra as if you had air there inside the heart chakra. It's inside that core, inside the chakra, that you could breathe. So it's a very thin, subtle breath, almost a thought. If you can feel this comfortably, we're not bringing the breath to the heart chakra. We're actually starting the breath within the heart chakra on both the inhale and the exhale. And in doing that, you may feel a resonance, a very, very gentle vibration throughout your whole core, throughout your shunya. That's all the way down to the base of your spine and all the way up to the top of your head and even above. Still just staying in the heart chakra and breathing there.
If your eyes are closed, open them. See if you can continue to do that, that you're in your heart chakra. You're initiating the breath there. You're feeling the resonance through the whole subtle core of the body. And you're experiencing the room, not from the surface of yourself, but from this deep place, from this core. Okay, now just relax in your whole body. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Mm, thank you so much. That was beautiful. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for this wonderful conversation. Uh, it's very, very helpful. It's been, you, you explained it so clearly and um, you know, I know so many of our listeners will be so inspired by um, your descriptions. You know, very, very clear, very insightful, mm-hmm. and um, very profound work. So um, I'm really grateful to have the time with you today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a review so that others can find us.